Listeners, welcome. We're continuing our season of uh, of Twilight Zone inspired uh, movies and uh, directors who worked in both. We're going with Out of the Past, uh, which is a movie directed by actually he's French, but I think it's just Jack Turner. Essentially, is how his name is said. That might be an Americanized version of that. I'll I'll let Joe and Duff correct me later on that for sure. Uh, I didn't look it up. Um, Jacques. Tournier. I think that's a, yeah, it's like the fancy way of saying it. Um, he, he <laughs> Probably the correct but, way. But he was known in Hollywood as Jack Turner. Yeah, he was known as Hollywood as Jack Turner. Uh, we're going to talk about his Twilight Zone episode called Night Call. This is a film noir. We're going to talk film noirs, you know, build our own backstories when we're on the run. And, uh, you know, just talk about uh, this, this transition that directors make between TV and film and how much is happening now versus how much it was happening you know, back in the uh, Twilight Zone age. Shh. Welcome to the Midnight Boys Present, a free podcast. I'm your co-host, Rob, and joined, as always, by my... My, <laughs> my deaf and and blind friends, Joe and Duff. Deaf and blind. Yeah, there's there a deaf and blind kid in, or is he's he not just blind? He's not blind. Oh, he's just. <laughs> are, you, are you thinking of? It's like, thinking it's like how how would he help anyone then? Yeah. Helen well, Keller's Joe, in well, this that's, movie. Well, that's very ableist of you, Joe. <laughs> well, I, like in, in this specific scenario, it would take a miracle worker to make them helpful. <laughs> Uh, I was gonna say, Robert, are you just thinking of Tommy from The Who? <laughs> I no, you know what I was thinking that of. Deaf, I was blind boy. I was thinking of uh, Last Picture Show, and that kid's not blind nor deaf. He's just he's just just sl- dim, dim, yeah, <laughs> uh, which is different. <laughs> do, pe- do people still say that? Do they like? Oh, he's kind of, like he's kind of dim. I... You don't say anything like. <laughs> what do you mean? Of course not. <laughs> Like not to their face. <laughs> well, not not even to their face. Like, if you know, if you knew someone who got kicked in the head by a mule or something. Then, oh yeah. And and you you know you're like oh he's he's a very nice boy just kind of dim. I I hate how often people I know are getting kicked in the head by mules, and how dim well, they end up being. Well, <laughs> we uh, need to do something about these mule mules. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I think I think Joe, you're right. You probably shouldn't say anything. But Duff, you're also right. Dim's a good term to use in that situation. I mean, it you could do a lot worse than that. A lot worse. A lot worse. But, okay, so uh, Rob, if if Sam like oh if, if you know if Sam was like talking or disparaging a kid, like could you ask? Is like you shouldn't say he's just dim. Don't be mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's okay. Um, you know it's funny because I was going to say like you know addressing that topic is kind of like addressing the elephant in the room but which apparently isn't as dangerous as the mule in the room <laughs> you, don't, you don't stand behind don't stand behind horses mules in the head. Uh, you could say uh, a mule is kind of like a dimmer switch you want to turn things down just for damn god damn that's good dimmer switch oh my god okay we are we are here we're continuing our another dimension season we're talking about movies that are directed by directors who worked on the twilight zone tv series okay and uh today we're talking about out of the past so we we've moved all over different decades here we started with cool hand luke which came out in 1967 we went to the shootest which is a western came out in 76 when the Hitchhiker, which came out in 1953, and here we are now, out of the past, going all the way back to 1947. We're covering many decades of films on this season, all two, tied together. Two generations we've, we've jumped back and forth between. Right, and, and the first two movies we talked about were by directors who started on Twilight Zone mm-hmm. and ended up making movies, and then uh, Ida Lupino yesterday, or yesterday, last week, and now uh, Jacques, Jacques Turner uh, are directors who, who worked in Hollywood and then transitioned into television. Uh, 
Out of the Past is, uh, guys, I was telling Duff before we started recording, we, I like to do little plot synopsis, like to kind of tell you what goes on. I, uh, this one's going to be very, very short because the entire second act is a series of twists and turns and crosses and double crosses. And I feel like, A, it would probably ruin the movie if I went through those in detail. Um, and, and B, I just, I, we don't have the time. <laughs> I, go I mean, like, all you need to do is give people the premise and like, yeah. and then it's, it, that's almost every film noir, isn't it? Like, yes. Yeah. It, there's the setup and then, um, 10 different examples of people lying or, uh, backstabbing Fibbers. and then it ends in, uh, then there's a dour ending. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, all right, we got, we got Robert Mitchum plays this guy, um, Jeff Bailey. He was a, just, you know, owns a gas station. And he's got got his life right. I mean, he's got a gas station. He's got a, a deaf mute employee and friend kid. Um, <laughs> Ernest would have a deaf mute <laughs> uh, friend employee as well. Although now I'm referencing a Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/TheMidnightBoys. If you want to listen to us uh, talk about that, um, and uh, he's got a girl. You know, he's got a woman he's in love with. Uh, things are going well, but you know what, guys? Sometimes. Often right. in movies, you are through you're, with the past. Yep, the past ain't through with you. Um, so this guy shows up, and essentially, uh, we learn that in his previous life, uh, he was a private investigator and got hired by some kingpin, um, uh, Wit Wit Sterling, which is a great name, played by Kirk Douglas, a grandstanding Kirk Douglas. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it was interesting said- to see that he was doing that even before he was a star. Yeah, Which is kind of why he was a star, right? He, this is a very early Kirk Douglas. I don't know if it's his first major role, but, but yeah, just he is already like thinking he is the best actor in the world and just like grinning and bearing it. Um, I I enjoy it. Yeah, I too. enjoy it too. I actually enjoy the Kirk Douglas uh, act, like acting in this movie more so than Robert Mitchum uh that's, but I think it's more of a personal taste thing than actual knowledge of what's a good actor. I mean, it's two contrasting actor. styles, right? <laughs> Robert yes. Robert Mitchum sometimes seems like he needs to be propped up. Yeah, Robert Mitchum's <laughs> whole thing is like he just woke up. <laughs> um, uh, so we he we eventually learned that in the past this kingpin had uh wanted him to go find this woman who had shot him <laughs> and then taken forty thousand dollars from him, and he does. And of course, uh, in any film noir, we find out that uh, the woman uh, Kathy Moffat, played by Jane Greer, hot guys. Can I? I mean, am she's, I speaking out of line to say that about this? A, yeah, <laughs> I mean, she's 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 a femme fatale in yep. every sense of the word. Um, so he falls in love with her. She ends up crossing him, and then we go back into the present and. Ever, all the main characters are back together again and more nonsense and double crossing and untrustworthy things occur for the second half of the movie that that's that that seems good for everyone yeah i, yeah. I mean just like joe said everyone double crosses each other at least three times and then there's just, there's a it builds to a very to a, a shootout and a, a dour ending I mean, a shootout. Also, like a kid, <laughs> the the deaf kid uses a fishing pole to hook a bad guy and pull him into the river. That rule. Like it does. That. <laughs> Big fan of that. So that is out of the past. Um, th- this is a movie. Well, we'll get to this, but this is a film noir. That's, I mean, one of the more. Uh, I mean, one of the more, I don't know if famous would be the term I would use, but like highly regarded. very highly regarded. uh, Film noirs. So, uh, like I said, Jock Jock Turner, or Turner, um, did this one. And as we were saying earlier, in Hollywood, he was just known as Jack Turner. He was French. Uh, His his dad was also a director. Uh, And then he moved to the U.S. and did some work. And then went back to France and made his first movie, and then came back to the U.S. and made a bunch of movies. Uh, most famously would be this, but also, uh, I think Duff has seen this. I don't know if you have Joe, but Cat People, the original Cat People, mm-hmm. that movie's good. I like Cat People. Yeah, he did. I think 
a lot, if not all of the the Val Luton produced horror movies. Did uh, I Walked with a Zombie? Okay. And I've I've seen that one. Uh, he did one called The Leopard Man that is kind of highly regarded. Okay. Have you seen that? Have you seen that one? I haven't seen The Leopard Man. Okay, I haven't either. Um, I've seen Cat People and out of the or sorry uh cat people and i walked with a zombie and he also later did one that i like quite a bit it's a british production night of the demon okay Some, sometimes known as curse of the demon oh um, okay so that it, that's a good one that's later that's not what fell well, I, I think these titles and this stuff kind of like explains his career right he did a lot of like B movies essentially, and 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 yeah. some of have now been like out of the past and cat people for sure too. That they're like, oh, this is this is really well done. Yeah, I, you know, I don't. He's not known by name by most people, but yeah, he's got quite a collection of, uh, you know, like pretty successful B movies. That a lot of them, you know, a lot of them that are actually pretty good looking, right, and well done. Uh, and then he eventually would come back uh, and kind of finish his career on TV. We were, we'll talk about Twilight Zone in just a minute, but also like an episode of Bonanza, uh, the Barbara Stanwyck show. He did eleven episodes of, which I know nothing about the Barbara Stanwyck show, but I do like Barbara Stanwyck. So if you were famous, you know, up until about like nineteen eighty, if you wanted to do a TV show, you could. If you had a certain level of fame. It was just like, oh, uh, like, do you know, like, Jimmy Stewart had a one-season TV show? And, like, I have no, I had no idea. I, I, I've never seen clips from it, but like, just, just pick like any random celebrity from the golden age of Hollywood, and if they didn't die in a horrific accident, they're like, oh, I'll have a TV show. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the thing you don't really see anymore. These like, uh, I, I would that be great would you guys be into it if just old washed up actors were like i'm gonna have my own like show like if jack nicholson had a show right now like a weekly show on hbo wouldn't it be great well, well if he's okay <laughs> well <laughs> what if even if he's not well like the thing is it'd like, be the, good television sh- i wouldn't want it to be like peak tv gritty drama i just want no, to be like no, no. What a, whatever they want to do like oh, i know. mean they have their friends on and they talk to them yes. for a while and then they you know they do yeah. some or, sketches or it's just like the laziest sitcom ever but starring like uh like i don't know james earl jones or something like <laughs> uh yeah yeah so so um in uh i mentioned he did an episode of the twilight zone he did a uh, night call which is a season five, which is last season of the original Twilight Zone. I watched this episode. It's about um, getting Taco Bell delivered at midnight. (laughs) (laughs) You mean uh, mean it would end up being delivered at 1 a.m. at that point if uh, you're ordering it that late? It's a one-hour movie. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, This is Chalupas, man. Um, All right, so Night Call, I I enjoy this. This is is an elderly woman. Okay. And, and okay, actually, we were seeing when I watched this. Someone who's like an older person, or not even older person, but someone who's like kind of, you know, contained in their home, they would use the term invalid, right? Contained in their home. Yeah, like in a wheelchair I mean, or confi- something. Like confined, yeah. yeah. Okay. You would use the term invalid, right? Uh, I don't. Like, this, this in the past. What is going on with you tonight? <laughs> so this, this kind of this kind of goes back to me asking about Dim. Like, would it be technically wrong no but i feel like i feel like that's kind of clinical okay so here's my question how do you spell that is it spelled the same way as invalid yes because that seems wrong (laughs) that seems improper to do that do you want it to be spelled like i-n-v-u-h I don't just it just seems like they're kind of playing a trick when they're like oh invalid and someone wrote it out mean invalid that's not nice that does that does seem like a troll it does so i don't i'm not comfortable using that term so i'm not going to and i'm not sure where it lands either uh this elderly woman i always uh they use the term invalid a lot in psycho to refer to norman bates mom right so that's what i think of yeah and she was invalid to be fair (laughs) yes she was spoiler uh but Uh, (laughs) i feel like it would be kind of odd if you like if you 
an elderly parent's like, oh, yeah, my invalid mother. It would sound weird. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's just – I feel like Duff in our, in our worlds growing up, we heard invalid a lot more than most people. Probably, yeah. <laughs> Although uh, – and, and I'm not even trying to be funny, but I feel like I heard the term shut in. <laughs> I also heard the term but like shut not, in. But like not in a derogatory way, just like, oh, you know, it's like, oh, that's Mr. Henderson down the block. He's a shut-in. Yeah. Oh, that's sh- oh, yeah, old lady down the road. Yeah, she's a shut-in. You don't see her. We don't see Barb that often. Yeah. Um. Anyways, this shut-in. Uh, in this in this uh, in this episode, she she's uh, confined, not contained. I have to a, her a gen- genuine question. <laughs> okay, <laughs> genuine question. Yeah, I hope it's v- valid. Can, can can we still call them shut-ins? I don't know. That's a word that feels like. Okay, so there's been a lot, and and obviously net positive, uh, without a doubt. Like more. <laughs> that makes it seem like there's some bad parts of it. I don't mean that. Like we've got we we got to think about ableist language and things like that. Absolutely, of course, yeah. right? And like there's certain ones that I think are so mean that I don't understand how it was ever just a thing you could say. Right. Um like invalid, I it sounds very <laughs> mean, but I get it because right. probably like Thirty percent of the people saying it don't didn't really even know what that word means. The other yeah. context, right? Um, so they never wrote it out to see how it was spelled. <laughs> yeah, exactly. W- w- do people still say "shut in"? Because I still hear it sometimes. Like, but like, am I just hearing it from people that just don't care? I, I think you still hear it in kind of like a, a pedestrian way. Like, I would probably take pause if I heard someone. Like if I was reading like a, prof- a trade magazine or something, and and it said "shut in" to describe someone, I, I feel like what's important is you you can't imagine like listen, Duff. I know where you work. Love to do the icebreakers. Mm, yeah, someone wouldn't describe themselves as a shut in. <laughs> no, right? They would be like, you know, uh, I like to just curl up with a good book and a glass. I'm a bit of a shut in. Yeah, <laughs> I I think you would hear homebody. Oh, okay. Well, but that that's okay. that, I mean, no. <laughs> like homebody is like someone who just prefers to be home. A shut-in is someone who who can't leave. No. Yes. That's not necessarily so, true. I'm so, looking at the dictionary right now. Shut-in. You have a dictionary out? The, the, so online. Like so, oh, okay. So like I that, did it. I did it. Yeah. So like that. Well, with whale, recording a show with you, I should have one here. <laughs> So the like the Brendan Fraser movie with the fat suit, the whale, that guy. The whale. Sh- he's a shut in. Uh, I is that? I mean, I know he plays a big boy. Is that what it's about? Uh, like he it, can't leave. I, I maybe. I don't. Well, even okay, know. So, like for sure, like what's eating Gilbert Grape? Like we've yeah. all seen that, right? He, like, yeah. When people are too large to get through a door. Yeah. So a per- wait, a- that's what shut in means? Shut in? Uh, no. I, I'll, oh. I, I'll read it right now. <laughs> the noun shut in as a noun, a person who is confined to home, a room, or bed because of illness or incapacity. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. I thought it was just a so, shy person. It's I, no. I, I, <laughs> I mean, I. I will say that, like, usually when I say it, it's someone who is not literally a shut-in. So I think that answers the question that it's not okay to. Yeah. Now we know. Don't use shut-in. Okay. Uh, you know what? You know what? This is an open case. This is an open and shut-in case. <laughs> so like, uh, in bo- in boxing, Helena, she's a shut-in. Yeah, because she's well, a potato person. She's shut in the box. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, all right, night call. All right, the Twilight <laughs> there's, Zone. So there's a there's a shut in. <laughs> she's a shut in by definition. Mm-hmm. Um, she's uh, confined to her wheelchair, not contained, and she starts getting anonymous phone calls. His phone rings, and she answers, and usually there's just like <sighs> like breathing, or someone uh, keeps going hello, hello. Hello, and she's like, "Who is this? Oh my god!" And she's like, calls the like phone company and complains and all this stuff, and it keeps happening, and it's driving her mad, and she's getting mad. And at one point, 
the voice is like, you know, asks, uh, says, I want to talk to you. And she screams and she says, leave me alone. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the phone company. I do, I do remember this one. It's great, right? The phone company. I can't wait for you to hear all this, Joe. The phone company calls her back and is like, hey, we try, we trace that telephone line. It's a dead line. It's this line that's just been cut. And she's like, "That's someone must be calling from it. That's impossible. I'm hearing a voice. They're saying hello. It's happening over and over again. And they're like, no, it's a, t- it's a down telephone line in a cemetery. So her housekeeper takes her out to the cemetery where the down line is at. And she looks, and there's a cut phone line. And the phone line is laying over the gravestone of a Brian Douglas. We learn that Brian was her fiance. And yeah. a week before they were going to be married, she had insisted on driving. And she she was crying and she's she's pointing out how she always insists. She always told him what to do. She's very demanding. And whenever she asked him to do something, he would let her do it. So she demanded that she drove. And while she was driving, she lost control of the car. They hit a tree. He died. She ended up in a wheelchair. Okay. Women drivers, I tell you. <laughs> So then she kind of starts to get excited because she's like, oh, my God, I won't be so alone anymore. I could talk to my dead fiance. So home alone, she picks up her, the phone and she calls his ghost, as you do. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she wants him to answer. And then he finally replies and says that, well, essentially it says, like, you told me to leave you alone. And I always did what you asked me. Oh, and then he hangs oh, up. That's a good twist. Ah, the end. Night call. Night call. Good one. Good one. Good one, Twilight Zone. Uh, Yeah, fun episode. So, that's... And that episode, I believe, is a Richard Matheson episode. It is, correct. Very, very famous writer. So, that was the the Jack Turner episode. Uh, So, very interesting career. I mean, I think that's one of the common things about a lot of people we've talked about is they've had these interesting careers. Um, this movie, Out of the Past, um, like I said, very highly regarded film noir. I was just looking, and you know, websites are generally right. Um, yeah. And so uh, the uh, Slant Magazine has their 100 best film noirs of all time, and number two is Out of the Past. Uh, behind In a Lonely Place, which is number one on that list. Pace Magazine has it number seven all time behind The Woman in the Window, which I don't know that movie, actually, so I feel silly. It's a Fritz Lang movie, but I haven't seen it. Uh, The Big Sleep, Double Indemnity, Chinatown, Touch of Evil, and The Third Man. And has that number seven. So... Uh, like I said, very, very, very highly regarded. Uh, there's another uh, letterbox list that some professor put together based off stuff, and he has it number three behind Double Demnity, Touch of Evil. Now, I have to admit something, guys. Mm-hmm. These film noir titles, oh, they're, they're all, all very... They're all interchangeable. <laughs> they're all interchangeable, and they're all very similar. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I had recently watched Out of the Past, maybe a year or so ago, and I like it, but I don't love it. And we can we can talk about that if we want. But I'm, I'm, it's fine. It's fine. Solid. I don't I don't quite understand the regard it's held for, but that's fine. The problem, guys, is I had gotten it confused with a different movie I had recently saw, a film noir called Lever to Heaven, which I know you can hear out of the past and Lever to Heaven and be like they don't sound very similar. But all these titles are like, you know, a word and then a proposition and then another like word that deals with it's a it's always you know? <laughs> the general like in general you have like one one sexy word and then one dangerous word so it'd be like, right you know it's like naked kiss or killer killers hug. touch of evil yeah you know <laughs> killer's lips or something like yeah <laughs> massage of malevolence <laughs> massage of malevolence yes um so i really wanted to talk about lever to heaven and then when I was like finally looking into what I we were going to talk about, I was like, "Oh, 
out of the past was the movie that we had to talk about. So I screwed up. You wanted to on talk that? about that drowned kid so bad. I want to talk about the drowned kid. Leave her, leave her to heaven so much. Well, to find another way to someday talk about that movie, which is great. Um, so I guess that leads me to ask this question to both you guys: What do you how What do you think of this movie? A, and B, what are your like three favorite film noirs? And I and I or ones define that however you want. That's part of the issue. Is like noir is really hard. If you want to add neo noir, I don't I don't care. Just like what are like three noir movies that you really like, and would this be like one of them? Uh, would this be in my top three? Would this be in your top three? Yeah. No. Did you like this movie, Joe? Yeah, it was fine. Okay. Uh, I mean, I guess I agree with you. Like, it's it's good, not great. Right. That's how I feel. Good, but good, not great. I, I, part of me thinks the first half is great, and then once the twists and turns start going, it starts to get like, in my my opinion, a bit like procedurally, where it's like, okay, things are just happening to happen now. Yeah, I can see that. Um. But uh, Duff, what about you? You, I think you, you like this movie quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I think two, well, two and seven are a little high. Like, uh, I think for I, I think it looks great, and this is also the same cinematographer as The Hitchhiker, coincidentally. Oh, is it really? Yeah, uh, I forgot the name, but I I just found that out tonight. Okay. Um, part of it is I think this has just uh, some great noir. Uh, dialogue like yep. that, that hard-boiled dialogue and for me it's just Mitchum spitting out those lines that really does it like I I probably like that probably makes it a better movie to me than it is like I think you know I think it's a very good movie I think it follows uh, the noir trope of just like if you asked anyone involved in this movie the plot of the third act they'd be like I don't what happened? What, oh, here's a question related to we, we were talking about Mitchum and and um, and Kirk Douglas. Butt chins, man. Yeah. Are there as many butt chins as there used to be, or were they just really in and we mostly saw butt chins like, on the screen? Everyone that you see in movies just would get that. Get, it, it would be removed with plastic surgery. Is that what's happening? I, I mean, well, or do you see? I mean, are you seeing a lot of butt chins in the wild? This is actually this is actually a good question. Like, what? Where did they go? Or were were they? Uh, you know, were they accentuating them, and making them? I also maybe, I also, had, to, maybe had to do with being exposed to lead when you were young. <laughs> Since we got rid of leaded gasoline, that's they, what, the old it's the old asbestos like the same reason why crime has been going down steadily for the last few decades is because. Yeah, yeah. people aren't like hopped up from eating from like lead paint poisoning their bodies anymore. I mean, or 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 is it just an increase in beards, and we're just not seeing I, the butt chins as much? Well, to be fair, uh, Americans are much heftier than they used to be, and so maybe we have butt chins. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> their fat chins cover up the butt now. Yeah. I mean, just listeners, be on the lookout for the butt chins in the wild, and I just feel like you don't see them as much. Yeah, I I think that's true. And this movie's got some big butt chin action. The beard, the beard theory, <laughs> is interesting because you couldn't really be a movie star in the '40s, like with a full time beard. No, unless like, you were over sixty five or seventy, and like yeah. right. Whereas, like a movie star now, you can go through like you know, a, you can have a beard almost permanently. Some of yeah. them, if you have like the right look. Yeah, there's. You know, prior to the seventies, like beards if you had a beard you were a hippie. Uh until you reach like that whatever the sea captain age is. But like in between <laughs> the sea captain age. Like if you were if you're between like you you could have a beard if you were really old and that was it. Like otherwise that was like a sign of rebellion and you know, it was like being a long hair. Well let's look at let's look at Michael Douglas, okay? That's Kirk mean, Douglas's mean, kid. Oh, Michael Douglas, yeah. Yeah. Does he have a butt chin, or did he get rid of it? He has a goatee. With... So I think he, he had one, it. and he got rid of it. Hmm. So maybe Jill's right, too. Maybe it is plastic surgery is getting rid of it. Beards and plastic surgery have gotten rid of the butt chin. Hmm. Does, does the butt chin go away from eating too much? Like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was removed during his cancer surgery. 
Maybe. I mean, maybe it did. Like, are you sure he had a butt chin? Well, if you look at like early pictures of him, I'm I'm, I'm doing some sleuthing right now. Okay, some online. <laughs> You're doing some private investigating. Yeah, if you look at him when oh, he's younger, yeah, he's got a butt chin. Yeah. Later on. You look at him when he's older, and you're right. Might have been the surgery, uh, or maybe not. You know, it, it. I think it goes away a little bit as he gets older. Interesting. It's an it. Wow. You, there, you, there, there needs to be an investigation on this. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm sorry for interrupting uh, you, Duff, I on that, but it had remember, to be talked I about. I don't even remember. What <laughs> I remember what he's about. saying. Like that. Uh, oh, the the. It gets formulaic, right? Or that was wrong. Uh, actually, yeah, right? yeah. But I, 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 my theory on 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 films noir is that. Like they're all at some point. Usually, it's rare that the third act. There are there are notable exceptions to this, which I will name at least one of them, where it just gets super convoluted and, and complex. And like, I think most of them just start to have all these twists and turns and backstabbings. And like, sometimes you just go along with it and you don't care, right? And you still love yeah. it. And sometimes you don't. And that's all about like how strong and effective are the film noir vibes in those mm-hmm. first two acts. Mm-hmm. And like, sometimes you just get sucked in and you love hanging out, love either love hating these characters or you love the, the love being bad and loving them anyways. Yeah. And it, the movie looks cool. It has an awesome setting. And then uh, sometimes it doesn't. So that's why like, I, I really, I have a great deal of respect for this film and I do like it a lot. I just don't love it, love it. That's why Double Indemnity like isn't in my. It might not even be in my top ten. That right. again, don't take that as an insult. It's just the issue is that Fred McMurray's vibes just don't feel right to me for a movie like that. Like that dude it, at the beginning of the movie is just giving like this gritty, hard-boiled film noir dialogue into his recorder, and I'm sorry, but that dude just looks like somebody that should be. Uh, like in a accountant at a front well and like mowing a lawn holding a high life with shorts that are three inches too short you know like that dude does not have the hard-boiled look to me at all or and and then at the end of his career he was like the go-to disney guy he did like absent-minded professor and things like that and for me like that was my first impression of fred mcburry so it's it made it even harder i'm like oh it's the guy from those goofy live action movies yes i just i it does take that him he just takes me out of that movie a little bit like it doesn't ruin it he kind of seems like leslie nielsen to me where you're where i was i thought you guys were gonna yell at me about this opinion i'm pleasantly surprised no i mean i love double indemnity but i i hear what you're saying fortunately it also has edward g robinson who uh just kills it in that movie and stan and barb and barbara sandwick who i'm a i'm a stanwick stan yeah i know you know i but i just uh like probably my most fond like Pre- my most fo- most of my fondness for that movie comes from Edward G. Robinson. I he just amuses me a great deal in that one. So so uh, back to the question: What would be like three noirs that you guys or you know or you that you like a lot, or you would be like if someone's like, oh, I really like film noir, I don't or I don't really understand. Film oh yeah, noir, how many film noirs would... have you seen? Yeah. Well, <laughs> but if they like wanted like three of you know yeah, like oh yeah. what are three you'd recommend? What would okay. be like three you would say? Well, I didn't do anything. I didn't do any neo noir or anything like that. In this. I didn't either. Okay, so um, if we expanded it to that, then my list would be different. Uh, I had a really hard time with this because a lot of my favorite movies are from this subgenre or film yeah. style. I guess there's some debate about that. But um, d- did you guys make it like a legit like top three list? I have a top three. I could start if you'd like. What's your third favorite one? My third favorite. Yeah, touch of evil the, touch of evil yeah that's on my that was on my short list of things to include uh what what's your uh like Number brief two. justification for inclusion um i i mean honestly the, the the first shot is enough yeah plus it's uh, big boy season it's big boy season it's fat old <laughs> fat old he's well that old though he, well he's fat he's he looks like he weighs a metric ton and he's just—we uh, didn't even a, say the name yet, but uh, Orson Welles is who we're yeah. talking about. Yeah, um, that movie is—I put that on my list. I can't believe now that um, I think 
that movie is so good you can forgive Charlton Heston being cast as a Mexican. <laughs> I was going to say, in a weird way, that's like a weird enjoyment of that movie, too, is Charlton Heston as a guy named Vargas, and you're just like, what are we doing here? Ramon yeah. Vargas. Yeah, that was... <laughs> it's, so, that, it's so funny. That was... And, like, he doesn't... You know, it's just... Thank I God mean, he pro- didn't do the accent. I was going to say, yeah. like, it's probably much better he didn't, but it's just funny. He's like, all right, just put a very pencil-thin mustache and some more toner <laughs> on Charlton Heston. <laughs> yeah. Like, Slick his hair back, boom. Yeah, you got Janet Lee. Can't go wrong with Janet Lee. Yeah, you got Marlene just... Dietrich. It's, I mean, I, so I hadn't seen it for a while, and I picked up the they did a 4K restoration, so I picked that up, and it just it just looks amazing, it, yep, and yep. it's, you know, it's such a, it's such a like spooky, gritty movie, and uh, like I want to say it's a perfect movie, but then you've goddamn Charlton Heston in brown right. face. Right, that's a problem. But also, you're right. Everything else is so good. You're just like, well, this is weird. And I honestly, the fact that it's like Charlton Heston of all people is like such a such a bizarre know, thing that it like, almost makes it <laughs> like like it almost makes it parody. <laughs> I know it almost it almost like you know kind of like how film noir is like surreal shadow. It's like, is this just part of the like weird gothic design of it that Charlton Heston is playing a Mexican? Right. It's weird. It's weird. Yeah. Uh yeah, so I'll go through I guess I'll go through my other ones and then you guys can say if they're on your list and then okay. we can go whatever. Uh the other one, number two, is Leave Her to Heaven, which I mentioned. It's a it's uh I would still consider this film art even though it is in color. Um like I, I would consider consider it yeah, to be like still, not neo noir. Well, it's made in like what nineteen forty something. So. Nineteen forty five, yeah. right? So it's still like in it, but it's in Technicolor. It's got just—I mean, what a character as the main it's, character. I is. mean, yeah, it's got a femme fatale. It's very uh, nihilistic. It's got twists. It's—I think it's a noir. Yep. And then my number one, as this is not like, <clears throat> this is probably not a surprise. I'm not like reaching out of. Uh, out of nowhere on this one uh and it also goes to joe's point about like some movies some noirs don't make any sense at all but you still love them and uh the big sleep i don't <laughs> yeah. know what happens in the big sleep i People but it's who just, made like, a... the big sleep don't know what happened with the big sleep. right but like each individual scenario is so entertaining yeah. and and works in its own right that it doesn't really matter that you qu- don't quite understand how they're tied together or even if they are yeah. So, um, and obviously I'll stand Howard Hawks whenever I have a chance to. So, um, yeah, uh, I actually read the book. Still don't know what happened. It's not any more clear. Um, but yeah, uh, Duff, what about you? Uh, so I figured that a lot of the big ones would get picked. So I kind of, I didn't, these aren't in any order. Okay. Um, so I picked one. Uh, that I don't, this one is not really available on streaming. I saw it because I was on Turner Classic Movies and someone recommended to me is a movie called Act of Violence. Act of Violence? Act of Violence. And okay. it's, uh, it's, a, it's about a guy who comes home from World War II and I won't spoil anything, but he's confronted by someone who is in his unit and, uh, you know some lies are exposed there's some twists another um, janet lee movie it looks like yeah i feel like it might have been her first movie she's a youngin in that huh okay all right cool uh another one is uh kiss me deadly which is okay. i think more famous that's a robert aldrich movie yep uh that one is <laughs> um features the you know like what what's going on i don't get but it it is such a like it's a bonkers it's a mickey spillane adaptation it's it's and that's a little later like it's kind of towards the end of the classic noir it's early to mid 50s uh you know and much like all noirs it's it's got a great MacGuffin. Uh, okay but like yeah this guy picks up uh, in her film debut, I think Cloris Leachman uh, escapes from oh. escapes from a mental institution, and this guy picks her up, takes her to the hospital, and uh, of course he's a seedy private eye just by chance. Uh, he gets you know sucked sucked into the the seedy LA underbelly. 
All right. Okay. I mean, that, that one's a little more well-known, but yeah, okay. What's that, your number there's three? A, there's a criterion of that. Uh, yeah. So we already said, uh, I said Touch of Evil. Um, and You I, said that was on your list, right? Yeah, or, I originally it, had okay. that. So I'll say, uh, I don't even know if this counts as noir or neo-noir as Chinatown. I would say neo, yeah, but sure. that's fine. It's, yeah. yeah, it's great. Um, because it's, yeah, that's one that's very much in the... You know, like the first two acts are made in very much the old Hollywood style, and then it gets racier at the end. So it sure does. Um, sure does. And like, I want to not like it because it's Roman Polanski, Plans- but goddamn, that's a good movie. Yeah, it's uh, it's near perfect. Yeah. All right, Joe. What about you? Uh, so I was gonna. I made a list of a bunch that I would put in the love category. And then okay. I was just going to name three that you guys didn't mention. Yeah, sounds good. But I, if, if we're doing like a true top three, like Touch of Evil would probably make it on there. Okay. Well, hmm. it would make it on there if I enforced my personal rule that you can't have two movies from the same director on there. But I don't know if I'm going to hold it to that. Okay, well, anyway. It's your I'd rule. Go, I, I take these things too seriously. <laughs> I probably would go with... Okay, so I'm going to go honorable mention. Uh, left off the list would be Rafifi as an honorable mention because it ha- features a scene uh, where there's um, a lot of people talking with loud chewing. Mm. Can't have that. So okay. that, that um, cancels out the incredible um, heist scene in it. I was going to say, on top of being a noir, you got a good heist. Yeah. Love a good heist so, movie. Um Instead, okay, so so third, man, this is tough. I'm going to go with... It won't be held to this for your life. I know. I, I know. I'm going to go with Night in the City. Mm, yeah, that's a good one. Um, oh, so that's okay. the same director. That's a Jules Dassin film. Um, but absolute banger. And like Rafifi, which I think has that incredible silent high scene, Night in the City just has an amazing wrestling scene. Like, yes, you, it you does. You just feel like the brutal impact on it. I think Duff, we saw it together at the Wisconsin. It was Film at the Wisconsin Fest. Film Fest, yeah. I think. Yeah, I've revisited right. since, and it, it it is awesome. What year is that? Night in the City. Early fifties, I think. Okay. And then my second favorite would be The Killing. Okay, oh, the, the Kubrick, Kubrick one. Yeah, which yeah. I think has the best film noir ending ever. Yeah. Um, and, and I won't say anything more. About yeah. it. Sterling Hayden. He's great. Yeah. He's yeah, he's awesome. Um and also has like a cool uh high sequence too. Um yeah. I kinda like Touch of Evil. Not that Touch of Evil is the only film noir that um Orson Welles made, but it is kind of neat both of these like in the last few years of this classic period and both of them are like, Alright, I'll make one and they make <laughs> they make right. two that are yeah, almost just, better than almost all of the rest of them. Just knock just, it out of the park. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And then my favorite is is got to be like just the old classic, the Maltese Falcon. Huh? Yeah. Give me, give me Humphrey, man. Uh, I I I love that movie, and I love 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 that book even more. It's um, uh, Raymond Chandler, right? Yeah, one of my just uh, no, no. It's not Raymond Chandler. It's, the Shill Hammett. Yeah, Dashiell Hammett. So I I think Maltese Falcon is pretty much perfect. Um, yeah another one where it gets kind of confusing with the twists and turns that that's like yeah it doesn't matter yeah right right not yeah. nearly if you're as in you're in is the big sleep though no um, the, yeah the i think the big sleep legitimately doesn't make sense like yeah <laughs> i think the Maltese falcon like when you think about it it makes sense but yeah big sleep is like uh what I and, and yeah Maltese falcon has uh my guy peter laurie in it too like you're gonna it's you're gonna get bumped up the list when you include my guy in there yeah and humphrey bogart yeah. yeah, he's also one of your guys, you know. He's everyone's guy. And I thought about about the harder they fall was pretty high on my list as another Bogart one, and that was the I think the last mm. or second to the last movie that he made. And that's kind of a boxing related film noir that's really really that's awesome great. and and underwatched. I'd highly recommend people check it out. Really powerful performance for Bogart, Bogart especially if you kind of know that he was in poor health when he made it, which is really sad. But he's so good yeah. in it. Yeah, I, I would I'll, I'd co-sign that. Um, well, as we sort of like, uh, you know, start to you know wrap about talking about this movie, I see there's a story. Uh, you know, Duff, I think this is a question you have, but like, if you were on the run, 
Yeah. So you, 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 you're Pat, you, you've, or maybe, maybe not necessarily on the run, but you have to recreate your life. You have to lie to people about what your past is. Like what, what is your, I guess my, I guess my thought is, am I telling you what my new life is or am I saying the lie that I tell the people about my old life? Well, you can do either. I mean, that's a good question too. I was just saying like, what, you know, what is your new life you adopt? Like what's your trade? What, you know, I'm a park ranger. <laughs> I'm a national park ranger. I like it. That's Isn't that's that something really we do. Difficult job to get though. I don't. Or, I don't know about it anymore, but I know for a while it was. But yeah, maybe maybe it's. I mean, you more. start as a volunteer. I I, I I have like a weird. I like one of my things I'd love to do is like when I get old and retired, like move out somewhere that has a national park nearby and just give tours. Yeah, because that's, that's, that's what a lot of like you'll see people doing, just like old retired people that are like giving tours. Like that'd be fun. I'd like that. So I'm a park ranger. I like it. I yeah, that's. I mean, certainly, it's different. Well, <laughs> and it's uh, you're gonna pick up the skills you need to disappear if you need to. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just yep. Uh, so I I'm not super sure about the profession, but I do know that I would have a houseboat. You love your houseboat ideas, man. I, I, I mean, you know, I would just, I feel like I might be like one of those beachcomber guys with a metal detector. Like I just salvage stuff. <laughs> so are you thinking like Gulf Coast houseboat guy? Uh, yeah, probably, probably somewhere warmer. Probably gets pretty cold in the houseboat up here in the Midwest. Yeah, but, so just like you're along the coast of like Alabama. Just, just take that Mississippi where it leads me, man. Okay. Yeah, because that's the thing I, so I love about your like your boat stuff is you also have a fear of the wide ocean, but you're fine with like I feel like as long as you can see as the, the, I can, the shore. As I can see the if I can see the shore. Yep. Okay. All right. No, Joe, what about you? I don't think there's any sea monsters in the Mississippi. Oh, wow. Just like really big fish. So I really weighed the risk reward of two different options um, for a while here as we've been recording um, because that's for how long I've known about this question. Uh, that's not anyone's fault but mine, though. But I, I'm definitely going to be a bartender because... Oh, yeah. Okay, so I'll, I'll start with that, why I'm certain about the bartending part. No one sitting at a bar has any right to pry. I can still like kind of talk to people. But they want to tell you their problems. Yeah, they're going to want to tell me their problems. And out of all the different places that you can be, one place where it is fine if you aren't really interested in talking about something is a dive bar mm-hmm. um, or just a bar in general. So I that allows me to uh, not be completely alone for like a year and kill myself Uh I could be, mm-hmm. there's a there's a social aspect to it, but right? no expectation whatsoever for me to talk about my past. And I can make some money. Now, on the one hand, I would think uh just, you know, some dive bar in some kind of small town in the middle of nowhere. I got my regulars, they know it's old Joe and uh he doesn't really talk about his past and it's not on any of our business. But I've seen enough movies to know that that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. They always find mm-hmm. you. This movie we're talking about today, an example of that, although he's a gas station owner, but still. Then I was thinking hotel bar. Where <laughs> okay. I I don't have any regular customers. There's no one you could ask. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you mean old Joe at, at Nate's down yeah. the corner of Highway H? Oh, yeah. I like this idea. So Ooh, like a, a, now the problem with the hotel bar is I'm seeing on net more people. But I'm rarely seeing any person more than one time. Yeah, you're just going to mm. see a bunch of people at a work conference or something. Exactly. So you're going to see people at their drunkest too. Yeah. <laughs> and and, they, people, and at their loneliest where they're just going to want to talk about themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least it'll be easy for me to get them to just talk about themselves. So I think I'm, I'm working good. at a hotel bar. Not sure exactly mm. where. Are you working? I like at, are you working at the bar in uh, Piano Man? <laughs> Maybe something like that would work. Um, all right, yeah, I like that. I like that. All right, so the first, 
the first two episodes we talked about uh, of this season, um, we talked about directors, as I mentioned, who started in Twilight Zone and went on to make movies. And then now we're talking about like, you know, old Hollywood directors that ended up coming into TV towards the end of their careers. What do you think happens more now? Film directors come into TV to do stuff or TV directors end up crossing over and moving into film? It seems more like the first now, doesn't it? I think that directors who want to make grown-up stuff get tired of the limited options for movies and go to TV now. But on the other hand, is uh, you might see people doing stuff on TV that's more like genre or popular, and then they get sucked into the Disney machine. So, like, J.J. Abrams is an example of yeah. one who went from TV to, to film. Can you think of anyone else in the last, like, 15, 20 years? Because uh, I, I feel like I might be missing something. But, like, it, it's see, c- considering this, like, era of, like, prestige television, and whatever we know when it you know ends or started, we could probably argue it starts in, like, 2000, right? It starts around starts, Sopranos. starts with Sopranos, yeah. Uh, or 98 or whenever that is. Like, we, you know, we got 20, 25 years of it. Can you think of anyone who like moved from TV into film? Like Ryan Johnson kind of did both, right? Yeah. But I don't I don't he didn't like start with TV. I think I have an answer, but let me confirm it. You know, like cuz you know cuz like Ryan Johnson does Brick and then he does, you know, Brothers Bloom and like Looper yeah. and then he goes over and does Breaking Bad and then moves over to Star Wars. I mean I, the vast majority of his work has been uh film, film movies, yeah. yeah. Right, right. Uh, I guess I would say, okay, so they made a couple movies before they started with TV, but, like, the Russo brothers have to be, like... Oh, yeah. Because the movies they made before they went into TV weren't, like, real huge What did they do on TV? What was their TV stuff? Arrested Development is where they really started to make hay. Uh, Oh, I didn't realize that. Community also. They were comedy writers. Oh, okay. they, They suck, but... I mean, which is why the best, the best things they're doing in Marvel movies are like comedy based, and why all their action sequences just like putting a camera down and watching people run at each other. Got it. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just I just find that fascinating. You just think of like all these, and and I don't know how much of it is. I mean, though, you know, especially in the, like the lines are just so blurred now between what even you know what he like. You can just do a movie, but it'll be a movie on Netflix, and you'll have more artistic control. And is there more money to be made by doing TV? I guess uh, that's the other thing I'm wondering about. Well, I, would... I feel like I feel like it's probably ending now, but probably leading up to COVID. I mean, I mean, look how much money uh, Netflix paid for a Knives Out franchise. They paid like half of like, it's. I want to say it's like four hundred million dollars. Right. Um, right so i feel like the golden age of just you know throwing money at content is coming to an end because it's reached its limit but yeah people have uh what we've discovered is people want things that are actually good yeah um so that's that's kind of (laughs) neat episodes of the crown i read cost like each of those cost like 30 million dollars or like those the lord of the rings show that i guess was okay that um, could that like could fund you know smaller com- countries for a year with its budget exactly right I, I, I don't um, get it man yeah it just seems to be more of like it it seems to be, it just, I guess my point is it seems to definitely be a less of like you know you start in TV and you move to film or if you know your career is kind of not what you want to be in film you go to TV like in Twilight Zone examples here it seems more of like it's just another option for you as a filmmaker. Uh, but no one's really making that move from like I started in TV and made my bones there, and now I'm a big film director. Like it, you just kind of end up having your foot in both. I it seems now, like for a lot of people. I think you're right that it's it's both because now it's it's more about we just talked about who's going to give me the most money, but also I feel more directors just wanna like they want to trust that they'll have some amount of control if they've reached that phase, mm-hmm. and that's why the reason. Uh, HBO Discovery thing has been such a disaster is because 
like HBO and Warner Brothers for a long time had this kind of reputation of, oh, we'll, you know, we'll work with you, you're an artist, like, and they kind of just burned that all to the ground. Right, right. Okay. I mean, I think we're on the same page on this all. It's just interesting. It's a, very, it's it's a, a big very change. complex question, I think. But it, yeah, it is interesting. Um, before we wrap up, is there anything either you want to talk about with Jack Turner or Out of the Past or Butt Chins? <laughs> uh, so I want to say just briefly two reasons why I think this movie isn't like one of the all-time greats is, okay. uh, you know, in the first act, first and second act, uh, we, you know, we kind of meet Anne. Anne. Yeah. Anne's kind of a dud just because, like, she seems like. And she's probably like, oh, I. Like, she's a nice girl. She's yeah. I mean, well, to her credit, both Anne and our protagonist are very trusting and just say yes to everything. Right. And if you're a private investigator and you're hooked up with some seedy types, that's not a good quality. <laughs> this true. The, uh, much as I love uh, Robert Mitchum in this movie, it just reminds me of how you know in every. Uh, role-playing game like a you know with an open world like you're to do the quest you just have to say yes and trust someone even though you know like oh this person's gonna double cross me right right yeah there is i think that's yeah that the, the quest way is a good way to think about it where like the last act is when we just like a guy's being sent on a lot of quests yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of like tasks he, he has to do this this is a guy who seduces the woman he's supposed to be finding for the guy who hired him uh, goes on the lamb, starts a new life, and then, uh, like, is basically abducted. And then the guy is obviously setting him up. He's like, oh, okay, I'll do this. <laughs> this right. This seems legit. Right. It's it's a, a category of films about men who are greedy and or horny. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I mean... You know, and that that in you know to to the to the credit of the movie or in fairness to the movie, it's kind of mentioned before you even meet the Judy Greer character early on that like you know he's like well you'll see what I mean when you meet her and Susie yeah. meets her he's like oh, okay or Jane Greer you're like Judy okay of, yeah a little different another Jane Greer yeah um, uh, Jane Greer where you're like oh I I get it I get I, yeah. I make mistakes too I, yeah I mean I, I don't blame him um, um well so I was gonna ask and. Maybe this is just one of those things. Did did she take forty thousand dollars? Do we ever? Uh, I was not really sure. She did because remember when when she kills that guy? She the the book shows that like the bank book shows that uh, oh, she had forty thousand yeah, yeah. dollars okay. deposited in. I mean that's yeah. basically the MacGuffin that sets this whole thing off. Right, right. Okay. It ultimately doesn't matter, but yeah, it's what gets it. being shot at seems bad enough. Um, yeah. But forty thousand dollars, especially in the forties, is a lot of money. It's yeah, a lot of money, guys. That's, uh, that's what Jan Lee steals in Psycho too. Women out. Is it forty thousand? Yeah, women be stealing forty thousand dollars all the yeah, time. They'd be taking your forty k if you're not careful. Maybe shooting you. I wonder if she. I wonder if Jane Greer was also wearing a black bra. You know. Oh, I'll have to go back and look now. <laughs> Gonna need to do a shot breakdown. Guys, I, you know what? The nice thing about a, our little seasons we do is you can make your own rules however you want. You can decide what you want to do. We can do whatever we want to do. It's our show. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. That's why you do a podcast. Our next episode, our final episode, I'm mixing it up a little bit. We're staying into the Twilight Zone world. But instead of talking about the original Twilight Zone, we're going to go all the way into the 80s when they started the remake of the Twilight Zone series. And none other than uh, Joe Dante did an episode and then would later on make the movie The Burbs. So we're going to talk about The Burbs next week, guys. I'm excited. I've actually never seen this somehow. And now we have the series. We'll have uh, a movie from the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. Look at that. Huh? Who would have thought? So that's what we're doing. If you're starved for content, you can't wait for next week. Or maybe you just want more stuff. You can go to uh, patreon.com slash themidnightboys. We have a whole bunch of just stupid episodes that we do. (laughs) Every month we put together these patreon episodes we have an insane amount of them and it just seems to get stupider like guys listen to this here are three here are three of the last four that we talked about on patreon you guys i I think it's gonna be funny because you guys don't even remember this because we just do these and don't even think about it three of the last four are earnest scared stupid Mm -hmm. 
Jack and Exit to Eden. Yeah, well, <laughs> we don't pick them. We don't pick them. People vote for them. Uh, so, yeah, we have, I don't know, a, three dozen or so different uh, episodes. So you can just pay $2 a month we, and get access to all those. I know, speaking personally, I, I put legit good movies. I mean, honestly, obviously, Ernest Scared Stupid is one. But, like, in addition to that, legit right. great movies, they never win when I put some something, like, of, what, like, genuine, like, artistic merit. The People last movie. Want I- they want their slop. That's what they want. I think the last two movies that I nominated that won are blo- is Blockers and Boxing Helena. <laughs> uh, I could be wrong. I, Helena. I, I, my only my only requirement is you know I usually just do it randomly, but it's just it's usually something I haven't seen but I'm interested in seeing. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it's another thing. If you want to help vote. That's a whole other tier. That's six dollars a month, and you can part of the Shiva Pit, and you can uh, help vote on. We each pick a movie, and then uh, people vote on which one we want to talk about. So we'll see what ends up being in November and December. Um, but yeah, in October we talked about Ernest Scared Stupid. We have a whole bunch of content. So Midnight Boys. I'm sorry, Patreon.com/slash The Midnight Boys. And yeah, we'll be back next week talking about uh, the Burbs. Would you say that we will be out of the past next week? We will be out of the past. Yes, thank you. Great transition. And we'll be in the burbs. Uh